Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. It's a Breakfast Club. Main's Big Z. More music, better variety. Rolling through your Wednesday morning. First monthly visit of the month. Oh, it is January. Governor LePage joins us this morning. The the newly spelt uh, Governor LePage. Good morning, Governor. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> now, have you have you gone out and bought new clothes yet? That was the biggest situation that I had the biggest problem with when I lost all the weight was, do I buy the new clothes or do I wait and make sure this settles and settles where it's supposed to yeah. be? Like, how does that work? Yeah, well, what I've done is uh, we've uh, we've taken... The smaller of the big clothes, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we had our seams just go through, and I spent, I don't know, several hundred dollars in redesigning all my clothes so it would fit. Uh, still, m- many of them, you can't completely get it to where you need it, but we've got a lot of it done through a seamstress, and uh, strangely enough, I never throw anything away, so I have suits from back in the 80s that I can now, and 90s, that I can sit, fit in. In fact, I have a suit that was hardly worn. I bought it at Levine's, a very good, very, very uh, nice Italian-made suit that I haven't worn for 20 years, and now I can get into if it's like a glove, so it's great. That is awesome. That's always, that's always fun. And the cool part is with the 80s and 90s, those clothes always come right back in, so like it's like all of a sudden you're right on the cutting edge of fashion, too. Exactly. Which, you know, yeah. which is tremendous. You know, one thing that uh, I, I was noticing here, I was actually looking through some stuff uh, this morning uh, from the Tax Foundation about uh, the estate taxes, and I, I want to talk about your upcoming budget and uh, eventually trying to get rid of this estate tax. Um, there's only a handful of states that have it, but Maine seems to make quite a bit of money off of it. Uh, we, well, we say we make money. It's, 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 uh, we, we, we do and we don't. Some years, uh, recently we had one lady, there was another lady passed away who had an estate that she had no, value, no idea how much it was worth. And so we made, we made quite a bit of money. But generally speaking, some years they're dry, some years it's big. Uh, there are still some people that... Uh, you know, don't have financial advisors, so they get caught. But generally speaking, uh, if you look at over time, it is starting to drop. People are getting smarter. People are actually leaving. What what we don't see in the numbers is that we are averaging a loss of $12.5 million of hard assets a year. In other words, when people turn 65, $12.5 million a year over the last 25 years have left Maine on average, of people that re uh, take up residency in other states and come and visit us for less than six months. So they take all their hard assets. That is making Maine, contributing to Maine, remaining a poor state. On the Family Prosperity Index, we're 44 out of 50, whereas New Hampshire is about 7th out of 50. So without that big income tax, without the debt tax, uh, they prosper much, much more better than we do it's 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 a real challenge to to get the uh the democrats to understand that the ideology they just don't seem to want to buy in to uh if you if you've been successful then they believe we have to punish people when you're successful and i just don't get it in most states 
I know Rick Scott in Florida loves it when we talk about that. He says, because don't change, because if you change, that means a lot of people are not going to move to our state, and the people that move to our state are usually prosperous, so they don't use a lot of services. Talking with Governor Paula Page, first of his monthly visits here on Maine's Big Z. Coming up, we'll uh, get into this budget a little bit more, uh, talk a little bit more about that, and uh, also talk about the upcoming legislative session. You're listening to The Breakfast Club on Maine's Big Z. Welcome back. Segment number two with Governor Paul LePage here on a Wednesday. Maine's Big Z, more music, better variety, always online at mainsbigz.com. We were talking about the estate tax in the last segment. Of course, the uh, the new budget is is out and up. And what I really like about this, I know a lot of people don't because they think that, that people that pay less will have to pay more, et cetera, is, is the flat tax. I really like the flat tax idea that uh, that you're going with. Can you explain that to folks uh, well, a yeah, little bit more? Well, we're going with the flat tax because the aim is to go to no tax. I mean, that's the purpose. I've been here since 2011, and I've tried every year to try to eliminate uh, the income tax and to move more towards a consumption tax. I think that's the direction that most states are going, particularly those that are prosperous. I think that's the direction we need to go. Uh, and right now, uh, if I put in, if I left the tax rate the way it was and then we add 3% on to $200,000, we become the second highest tax state and we're 44th in prosperity. It's just, it's a death. It, it, it's going to kill the economy. So we have to try to meet the needs of what the people want, but at the same token, we need to do no harm to the economy. The sec- question number two, the 3% surcharge, was an ill-thought-out process. Uh, I think we have more than enough money in education. The issue is not more m- that we need more money. The issue is that we're not spending it correctly. We're spending it in administration of our schools rather than in the classroom. Only 59% of the $2.2 billion that we spend on education finds its way into the classroom. 59%. The United States, on average, is around 63 to 64%, and states like California, Illinois, is 75 and 70%. So Maine is very, very top-heavy. If we fix that, and if we regionalize our schools and we had less superintendents, we could put considerably more money into the classroom. We wouldn't have to have the surcharge. So the flat tax is a result of trying to do no harm to the state while trying to get to a point where we can eliminate the income tax and go to a consumption tax. You know, uh, I wanted to circle back there on the on the mention that you made of the, uh, the superintendents, the administration. What's the what's the pushback on that? I, I know a lot of people say, well, you want local control of your schools. But I mean, yeah. if you're keeping it in your region, isn't that controlled locally as well? Yeah, yeah. Everybody, when you talk to individual school districts, this is what you get in different school boards. This is what you hear. We understand the problem, but our school's different. We have a good school system. Well, actually, there isn't very many good school systems in the state of Maine. You know, everybody's hung up on beautiful new buildings and their own superintendent. Well, let me tell you something. Let's look at some of the best high schools in the state of Maine. John Babs. Private school, old building. Uh, it's on Academy. I mean, private school. I mean, telling you that superintendents, it's not, I don't know what it is that the people of Maine think they have to have their own superintendent. You can do it in your own region. You, for instance, give you an example, which I don't understand, and I don't even think the people in the, those two communities understand. Millinocket, East Millinocket, each have a high school. 
Total graduating class this year, total of both high schools was 30 students. You get two high schools, you're graduating 30 students. Why isn't that one high school? That's They're 10 miles apart. Wow. Waterville, Winslow, Oakland, and Fairfield. The four high schools, they, they range between 1.1 mile and 5.8 miles apart. If you take the furthest one, Fairfield and Missalonsky, they're five miles apart. You've got four high schools. They're all built to, to house between uh, 1,000 and 1,200 students. Waterville's got 500. Winslow has 500. Fairfield's maybe a little bit bigger. And then you've got Oakland, the only one that's uh, is the is the largest with maybe eight or nine hundred students. So the point is, those four high schools equal the size of Lewiston High School. Why don't we have one? Those are the issues that we that this state needs to be dealing with. Talking with Governor Paula Page, we'll have more with him on the way. Two more segments. Main's Big Z. Welcome back. Segment number three with Governor Paula Page here on The Breakfast Club on this Wednesday morning. The governor will be joining us monthly this year. Looking forward to that. Did you, did you, did you watch the inauguration? Did you, did you do yeah. anything for that? Yeah, I, uh, I, I think uh, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned with the nation right now on all this uh, hoopla about, uh, you know, the election took place in November and there's still some people, even this past weekend, that... Uh, uh, protesting about the president, I think uh, I would ask everybody in America, take a deep breath, give the man a chance, and then if he's not doing the job, then we can jump up and, and be critical. But we got to let the man work. Let, let, let's see what he's going to do. Uh, being out there criticizing him and, and having protests everywhere isn't accomplishing much. My biggest fear is the structure of our government now. I think... Uh, they say that the Constitution lasts about 200 years. I was about 235 years. I think it's matured to the point where it's uh, probably not working very well. Uh, gridlock on both sides. We only have two parties. They can't work with each other. Uh, I think uh, there's no coalitions. So I look at our former government and I look at parliamentary forms of government and I'm saying that maybe we've matured and we need to start looking at some changes. Uh, I, I fear for our nation right now. Uh, Congress hasn't been able to work now for a couple of decades, and uh, we can't just continue. You can put anybody you want in the presidency. As we saw in the last eight years, we had a person that, that didn't have the patience to work with Congress, therefore he did it through executive order. We should not allow ourselves to become a dictatorship. And, we, and I think that, to a great extent, the presidency in the last eight years was much of a dictatorship. You know, it's funny. I actually, I actually um, think Maine was the trend center on this protesting because I remember when you first won your first election, I saw all those bumper stickers out there that had the sixty-one percent. I think everybody thought, you know what? Hey, we can do this wherever now. So you, yeah. they can just complain about elections in, yeah, in other places. They, they went away in the second election. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they did. I didn't. I didn't see those bumper stickers anymore. I did. Don't. Yeah, it's pretty hard to have them out there when you go to a three-man race and you still get out. About fifty percent of the vote, or just one point short of fifty, uh, it was pretty uh, embarrassing for for all the sixty-one percenters. Talking with Governor Paula Page, he joins us each month here on the Breakfast Club. We got one more segment with him. You're listening to the Breakfast Club on Maine's Big Z.
Final segment with Governor Paula Page. He joins us each month here on The Breakfast Club. Now, on a day like yesterday with, with ice and stuff like that, when do you have to like, at what point do you have to start making, and I don't think we're in, in, in uh, disaster emergency stuff, when do you start have to start thinking about making calls like that to keep people on the road longer and things of that nature? Oh, we did. We started well before the storm. I mean, uh, 4 o'clock uh, yesterday morning, I was talking to Mima about planning for, for the pending storm, and they keep me abreast of what's going on, and almost hourly, and uh, we make decisions as we go along. I'm fearful of the potential disaster with ice. Snow is not uh, very critical. It, I mean, it's, it, you've got to be cautious on the roads, and there's a lot of people working. But snow, I mean, we're in Maine. We expect it. We know we can deal with it. It's not a, it's not a, a critical issue. But ice is a different issue. Ice can be very, very devastating, as we saw back in 1998. So, we we spend a lot of time and uh, and we worry a lot about it accumulating and uh, you know power power outages for a whole lot of families. So that's that's really the critical path. This one here is one that worries us. When you go out and it's uh, it's so like a soupy mush, you know that you're on the verge of uh, having ice, and that, that's very scary. It certainly is. It's not easy to uh, to be traveling in that. You know, working families uh, throughout Maine, you've been you've been fighting for them for the last few years, and continue to fight for them, trying to change up the change up the tax codes and things of that nature. Are there other costs that could be that could help? I mean, I know you've really fought to try to get the cost of energy down, and haven't had a lot of luck with that. Are there other things out there that you'd like to like to work on for the working family here in Maine? Yeah, there, there are three basic. You know, there are actually, there are four issues. If you could get, if we've we've got welfare under control, and we really did a good job there. I, I really am proud of the Department of Health and Human Services. They've cut back on able-bodied people collecting, uh, and we got them into the workforce because we have a lot of jobs that are going unfilled. So we're working with them to develop their skill set so they can work. That's that's working out. I think the next big one is going to education. If we could fix education and get the money into the classroom where it belongs, we could put more money in the classroom and lower the cost of education. That's another big issue. Then the other three are energy, taxation, and regulation. Those are the three things. And and I I happen to be reading a quote from Ulysses Grant back in the 1860s saying that when government shrinks, people have more control over their lives and the country is more prosperous. If people were studied history, they would find out that the Gilded Age, when presidents were relatively... uh, some say they were ineffective and they weren't great presidents. They were actually hands-off kinds of presidents. The country is the period between the 1870 and, and, and the turn of the century was the most prosperous period in the United States of America. The fastest growth, uh, family prosperity grew the fastest. And so big government is, does not, big government just redistributes wealth. Small government generates wealth. And so I, I think that's one area in the areas of regulation and taxation we can help a lot. On the energy side, it's mind-boggling to me why people believe that high energy cost is good for an economy. I, it's just mind-boggling. When you look at the Tennessee Valley Authority and you look out west when they got big hydro like the uh, Boulder, Colorado, and, and the energy is 4 or 5 cents and we're into the 14, 15 cent range, and we can't attract, we've lost our industrial base, and we can't attract manufacturing, uh, it would think that the light bulb would come on. No pun intended, but it's not coming on. 
Talking with Governor Paula Page, wrapping up our first visit of the year. He'll be joining us monthly here on Maine's Big Z. Now, next month, I'll actually be up in your neck of the woods. I'll be in Augusta all week for the basketball tournament. Oh, right? great. Yeah, so I that'll be... I love the tournament. So that, that, I tell you, that's one part of the year, the time of the year, I think is fantastic. I remember uh, all through college, we were in, in, I was in Bangor, so we could go to get to the tournaments all the time and george hale back then was young and he was the announcer <laughs> <laughs> that was back in the day when george that was, was back in yeah. the day when george was young and handsome <laughs> paula page he's the governor of maine and he joins us each month here on the breakfast club governor always great to talk to you thank you very much it's a pleasure to be on thank you we'll have more on the way Maine's big day lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.